Shalom and welcome to Torah to the People, a podcast from Temple Israel in Memphis, Tennessee. I'm Rabbi Micah Greenstein. We hope you enjoy this selection of our sermons, classes, and conversations with inspiring people from across the Bluff City and around the world. The ancient rabbis once taught that we are obligated to recite a hundred blessings a day. It is admittedly a very lofty goal. I saw some wide eyes here, here in the chapel. And it's even more difficult. It's even a loftier goal in difficult times when the world seems dark and gratitude feels so distant from us. But this past Tuesday, as I had the honor and privilege of traveling to our nation's capital with nearly 200 members of our Memphis Jewish community, organized by the Jewish Federation here in in Memphis, offering blessings and gratitude came much more easily. Our group was part of the largest gathering of Jews in United States history, nearly 300,000 strong, demanding a release of the hostages, standing up against anti-Semitism and praying for a future in which Jews live in security without fear of attack or harassment because of their identity. It was a powerful, powerful experience to see so many across ideological divides coming together as one people in a show of solidarity, a moment truly worthy of blessing. Now, it was not until after returning to Memphis, quite late at night, I should add, that I learned, unsurprisingly, that our sacred Jewish tradition has a blessing for a moment just as this. And the blessing reads, Baruch Ata Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, Chacham Harazim. Blessed are you, Eternal One, Sovereign of the Universe, who knows all secrets. Now, where we find this blessing in the Babylonian Talmud, there is a threshold for how many people need to be gathered in order for us to say the blessing. And that threshold that they list is 600,000. But I think it's safe to say that the rally in D.C. in its extraordinary scope and size would and should merit such a blessing. Now, with all that said, it's a pretty unfamiliar blessing to many of us. And the language of it is a bit curious. Why in such a moment do we see God as one who, quote, knows all secrets? The answer the Talmud provides uh, in one of those very special moments where there is a very specific and singular answer explains that, quote, God sees a whole nation whose minds are unlike each other and whose faces are unlike each other, and the one who knows all secrets knows what is in each of their hearts. Knows what is in each of their hearts. Now, it would seem from this blessing, the amazing part of such a gathering is not the faceless numbers, as like to be quoted in many different articles and little means and graphics. But actually, the amazing thing is that God sees and acknowledges the diversity of appearance, opinion, and belief among the people that are gathered. 
and perhaps the most important element of a gathering such, like, such as this is that diversity is not a sign of weakness. Diversity instead is a sign of beauty and strength. The truth is that only God knows the complexity and diversity of the hearts of those who gathered on the National Mall on Tuesday. I can imagine that through God's eyes, certain moments of the rally that resonated deeply for some might have been a bit challenging for others. I myself experienced this tension within my own heart, a pride in standing with my people that eventually rubbed up against important core values that stand in stark contrast to the ideologies espoused by some of the speakers. And I know that I was not alone in this, that for many folks present, our internal world potentially mirrored that of our matriarch, Rebecca, who in this week's Torah portion felt a seemingly unresolvable tension and conflict within her body, one that caused her pain to the point of questioning her own existence, exclaiming, Im ken lama ze anochi. If so, if this is the conflict and strife that I am bringing into the world, why do I exist? If we understand this internal struggle not as one between two children destined to eternal conflict, as it is traditionally read, but as a tension between conflicting or competing values. I think that in Rebecca, we find ourselves. In Rebecca, we find ourselves. People with, to use the language of the ancient rabbis, a heart of many chambers. The ability to hold and consider many different opin opinions, even if they sometimes stoke tension and conflict within us. Whether that struggle is between idealism, idealism and realism, a hope for a world that could be, uh, that could be, a hope for a world that could be balanced with responding to the world as it is, or between universalism and particularism, a concern for our family and our people balanced by a commitment to peace and dignity for all human beings or even a struggle between the importance of Jewish unity and a commitment to the fundamental values that distinguish us as Reformed Jews. So many of us, like Rebecca, hold these tensions, these many elements of our identity that at times come into conflict. And it's true. It can be a source of despair but it is also what makes our people and our tradition so beautiful. Its ability to embrace diversity and difference as a source of strength, and its commitment to holding on to hope, even as the world feels hopeless. Rebecca is, in fact, a fitting figure for us in this particular moment. Though sometimes neglected in our conversations about our patriarchs and matriarchs, she is one of the great movers and shakers of the early story of our people, who is seen as exhibiting immense kindness, generosity, and clarity of purpose in her comfort and support of Isaac, and by getting stuff done, 
by taking an active role in shaping her family's future. With that in mind, I wanted to highlight some of the speakers I found to be some of the strongest movers and shakers of hearts on the National Mall on Tuesday. People who, similarly, might be not quite as familiar to us. One was Dr. Michal Biton, a scholar and spiritual leader with whom I had the privilege to study over a Shabbat a few years ago at the APAC conference, again in Washington, DC. Dr. Biton spoke passionately as a Latina Jewish woman whose community was devastated by the bombing of the AMIA Jewish Center in Buenos Aires in 1994. She spoke as a proud American, offering gratitude to this country for providing security and opportunity for her in-laws who escaped persecution in Egypt in the mid-20th century. Her remarks were a powerful reminder of the opportunity and freedom that the United States has given to so many fleeing from persecution, as well as the safe haven Israel has become to Jews from around the world. Let us fight, she urged all of us, against hatred and for life. She closed with a prayer saying, may the one above bless us with the courage and the strength to write a new chapter of peace and freedom in this nation, in Israel, and around the entire world. Amen va amen, may it be so. Another mover of hearts was Rachel Goldberg, the mother of Hirsch Goldberg Poland, a 23-year-old who was wounded and kidnapped during the Supernova Music Festival on October 7th. She spoke of the pain and terror experienced by families of the hostages, whose world has been flipped on its head, who all have, quote, third-degree burns on their souls, and who continue to advocate for their loved ones despite being neglected or ignored by so many throughout the world, including their own leaders. She spoke passionately about how the stories, lives, and worlds of the hostages have been too easily cast aside in favor of geopolitical arguments and agendas. Her strength and certitude rattled my soul. I felt that even as only the Chacham Harazim, the one who knows all secrets, could know the depths of each of our souls, we all standing there got an inside view to the pain, torment, and anger of one soul seeking to understand why and how this could have happened. These movers and shakers, these 21st century Rebecca's, represent so many aspects of the chambers of our hearts. They represent the gratitude for the safety and security Israel and the United States have offered a people so often oppressed around the world. They represent the strength and courage of the Jewish people in the face of hatred and dehumanization. They represent the cries of rage and despair at not knowing what will happen or has happened to those taken hostage on October 7th. These voices represent so much of what made the rally on Tuesday moving for many of us. The simple but powerful cry that despite it all, Am Yisrael Chai, the people of Israel, lives proudly, strongly, and unafraid. 
But there is another voice, another mover and shaker of my heart that I wish to lift up on this Shabbat Toldot, one that speaks to the Jewish commitment of not just survival and security, but as a force for light and good in the world. There, this voice herself, also a modern-day Rebecca, was one I did not encounter in D.C., but came to know through the powerful remembrances shared by those who knew and loved her. I want to highlight the life of Vivian Silver, Zichrona Livracha, a Canadian-Israeli resident of Kibbutz Beri, who was confirmed to have died in the October 7th attack only this week. A devoted peace activist, Vivian Silver devoted her life to building bridges of dialogue between Palestinian Arabs and Jewish Israelis. She viewed the ongoing conflict in a similar way to how many view the conflict between Rebecca's twin children, Jacob and Esau, destined for eternal violence and pain unless a new path could be forged through dialogue and reconciliation. Despite fighting what many inside Israel viewed as a futile struggle towards peace, she remained steadfast in her commitment to building a new and better future, unwilling to relinquish her idealism in the face of cynical realism. The fact that she and so many other builders of peace in southern Israel met such an awful end is perhaps one of the greatest tragedies of this past month and a half. Now, many will say, and many have said, that her work was naive, and that the circumstances of her death only proved the futility of seeking an end to this conflict without more pain and violence. And to be fair, this, view, this viewpoint makes sense guided as it is by the trauma of so many failed peace negotiations. But even as we stand with Israel's right to exist safely and secure, securely, and even as we fight against the scourge of anti-Semitism and hatred, we must not forget Vivian Silver's message. We must not forget that peace of our hearts that hopes and prays for a different future a better world in which both Israelis and Palestinians can live with safety and dignity, free from fear of hate-filled violence. Our realism knows that that might not be possible right now, and it is certainly not possible when dealing with a group like Hamas. But that doesn't mean we should, we should completely set aside our idealism our hope that a different future is possible. For if we lose that part of ourselves, that peace of our heart, that views peace as the greatest gift, we are indeed doomed to the ongoing cycles of violence and hatred represented in our holy text by the timeless conflict between Jacob and Esau. I recognize this is not easy to hold both of these things. And even saying the word peace in these times can be a difficult thing. And like Rebecca, we will continue to feel that tension within ourselves between seeking safety and security for our own people and holding on to our commitment to being a light unto the nations 
and pursuers of peace. It isn't easy. But we don't have to hold this tension alone. We have the strength of our community, shown in full display this past Tuesday. We have the guidance of our tradition, the wisdom of 3,000 years of Jewish memory, and we have that most powerful tool when things seem dark, that tool that I think we can learn from Vivian Silver and from so many of the speakers this past Tuesday, hope. Hope for a better future. Hope for a world without hatred. Hope for a day in which, in the words of the prophet Micah, everyone shall sit under their own vine and fig tree and none shall make them afraid. Perhaps we can't see it right now. But may we find comfort in the one who knows all secrets, who can see the things that maybe we in our own limitations cannot see. And may we trust and hope that a new and different future is possible, so long as that we continue to hold on to hope. Ken Ratson, may it be God's will. Ken Ratson, may it also be our will. And let us say together, Amen. Amen.